This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 94, where we are looking at season three of Gotham, episode 15, How the Riddler Got His Name. I'm David Mazuz, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Robin Lord-Taylor, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites. Yes, this is Gotham Season 3, second part, Heroes Rise. And we are here looking at a villain rise Mm -hmm. uh, in Episode 15, How the Riddler Got His Name. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of the hosts, Derek, on a roasting hot day in Ireland. Oh, wow. Summertime has hit. It has. Mugginess <laughs> is back. So we apologize if you're watching on our YouTube channel, if you're watching our video and our, our faces start to steam up or our, <laughs> uh, our, you have a lot of sweat streaming down our face. We apologize, but we'll never complain about the heat, will we, John? Not at all. No. Not at all. No. A bit like Gotham, it's gotten muggy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but not in the way that they rob your wallets or anything like that. No, thankfully. <laughs> but you did mention there we have we have reached the end of Mad City, of the first arc of Gotham, the first big, uh, big storyline. <laughs> We're now into Heroes Rise. Yes, um, and today we see one of the biggest villains in the Gothamverse rise. Mm-hmm. So maybe the wrong choice of... what uh, of, uh, second half tagline yeah it did feel like it this is uh, marketing butting up against writing uh, in the show for some reason <laughs> absolutely we see <laughs> our... we see a lot of heroes fall in this episode as well we yes we about. see our hero uh banged up in a dungeon somewhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but obviously this is a spoiler filled podcast which we almost forgot to say hope you've watched the episode i'm sure you have if you haven't Pause it here, come back to us later. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can do that directly through our website over at gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes, and that will pick up uh, all of our podcasts on the Apple app. Uh, you can also subscribe to our podcast on any good or villainous podcast catcher just by searching for Gotham TV Podcast, obviously. Uh, we're covering our episodes weekly as they air over in Ireland, so we've got another seven weeks to go in uh, in Season 3 of Gotham. But before we get into our coverage of this episode, uh, one of our listeners sent us in some voicemail about, about the Jerome arc of Gotham. Yes, I think we should do a quick recap on Jerome. Mm-hmm. Hi, John and Derek. Just a quick question for you both. I am now assuming that the story arc for Jerome is done with in Season 3. How would you personally like to see Jerome develop in future seasons of Gotham? A... Remain as Jerome and carry on with his own identity and character in the DC world. B. Start to see Jerome becoming proto-Joker alongside with Bruce becoming proto-Batman. C. Gotham should just go for it and make Jerome the Joker next season before Bruce is Batman. Or D. Any other thoughts as there's probably a small percentage that he could become Killer Croc, especially for John. Thank you, guys. Speak to you soon. Thank you so much, Claire, for for those thoughts. Um, <laughs> Killer Croc, John. Huh? Yeah, I would love to see Killer Croc uh, enter into this world. Yeah. We've kind of seen slight variations of Killer Croc, mm-hmm. um, but Red yeah, Man, yeah, 
I think Jerome will probably not transform into Killer Croc, but who knows? It's mm-hmm. Gotham. Um, <laughs> there are many wonderful mad scientists around in Gotham to uh, make it so, mm-hmm. uh, to quote Captain Picard of <laughs> Starship Enterprise. Um, but yeah, I think um, for me... There's kind of two elements to this. I, I think actually... Ask for one um, answer, get to I know, but no, it is a single answer, but there's two elements to it. Uh-huh. I think it is really that... I'm wondering if they have gone uh, too far to not make him the Joker because it the identity is becoming so close to the Joker. Um, but again, you know, he's now banged up in Arkham, so it's not like he's died, and this could really be the case. But the other aspect that I've really enjoyed about Jerome and, and about these kind of little hints at the Joker has been how it could come from anywhere. And I think there's still the possibility of that because... Um, there have been so many followers. Maybe ultimately the Joker gets his inspiration from Jerome. Mm. There is still the Red Hood gang as well, which is the, you know, the classic comic book, um, uh, origin and birth of, of the Joker. Yeah. So that would be really good as well. However, I'm, tending towards that Jerome ultimately becomes the Joker because I think to say that the Joker has effectively copied Jerome from Gotham would to an extent lessen uh, and reduce that novelty of that character Mm -hmm. Uh, and I really do think that yeah it's so close to the Joker now um, that it's almost um, a bit strange calling him Jerome and uh, and in the main, I tend to just slip into calling him the Joker yeah, by yeah. pure accident. I know. So yeah. I think they should go for it and make Jerome the Joker. Uh, the one thing I do like about Jerome's character and the hints at the Joker anyway is that he's had so many influences, so many kind of origins from the being... Um, the uh, abused kid in, in the circus, uh, effectively being killed and coming back to life uh, all these being allowed to run riot and and bring his madness into gotham by by galavan and, and now obviously doing it off his own will mm-hmm. uh, within uh, this season of, of gotham so i've really enjoyed all of those different elements feeding into um this character of jerome that ultimately i think that yeah i think he should go on to become the Joker. Right, right. Um, and do you think he should build up to that uh, over the next couple of seasons, or do you think they should just go for it next I think he has and... built up to it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you could keep Jerome for a, some while longer, certainly at least in, in Arkham. But, you know, maybe you explore even more of a descent into madness in the confines of Arkham and him taking on that persona, or taking on... Um, the re- being the Red Hood uh, and the leader of that gang because all the other members of the Red Hood gang are also in Arkham or something like that. Right, and okay. then he comes out and, you know, he, he kind of goes for it then. Right. I don't know how long that would take. I don't know if they will go that way, but I do think that all, 
almost the the line is too fine to suddenly pull back and introduce someone else as the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I think it actually undermines the character of the Joker in his purest form. I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree. Him becoming the inspiration for the future Joker, I think, is now off the table. I think that was possibly the idea they had when they started out with the Joker and with the inclusion of the Red Hood gang in season one. They have no idea how long these seasons are going to run. They do their best at every episode trying to get the next season and the next season. We're now coming up on the fourth season of Gotham, which is awesome. It's great to know it's coming back. Absolutely. And the way I see it, and I think I've mentioned on a few podcasts, is that Gotham feels like a different universe, like an alternate world to the comic book version of the Batman universe. Uh, The main thread, they do this in multiple comic comic timelines where they choose a character and what if he was the center of the universe. In this, it's kind of felt, and in fact, we'll probably talk about it later on in the episode, in this, it's kind of felt like Jim Gordon is like the Batman of the universe. What happens if Gotham kicked off while Jim Gordon was a young cop is effectively what it feels like now, three seasons in. Yeah. So I feel they should absolutely go for it and go, right, Jerome comes out of, is in Arkham, and the next time we see him, he is the Joker of Gotham. Uh, regardless of whether that means he's going to be Joker before Bruce becomes Batman, um, he now has, at the moment, he has got... Um, a tete-a-tete with Bruce Wayne. There is already that connection between the two of them that we saw in the last episode, which is already very Joker Batman-like. Um, so they know each other. They know what's going on. I would like the idea to see uh, those characters go up against each other. And he also has this other hero in the form of Jim Gordon that he can go up against in the future. So I don't see any problem with Gotham having their own Joker uh, way earlier than they would have in the comics. This doesn't feel any more like a prequel to the Batman comic book story. It feels like they're creating their own world. We now already have a Riddler, for example. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, I think with that, thank you very much, Claire, for uh, for the, the feedback on Jerome. He's Absolutely. such a huge character for Gotham. Uh, but of course, uh, let's us move on to episode 15, yeah. where we... Thanks, Claire, by the way. Yeah, where we do know the name of this villain. It is uh, written in the script, written in tablets of stone. Derek, what are the production notes for this? Yeah, this episode was directed by TJ Scott. If you're going to go to one television director to get you out of the spot that was left uh, after, at the end of the first arc of Gotham, where we rated the, the episode as highly as we did, five out of five. Uh, go to our favorite director, TJ Scott, has done yeah. episodes right back to season one that we've absolutely loved. So great to see him back on board here. And the other person you bring on board when you want to do it, if you can't get Danny Cannon, if Danny Cannon's not able to write an episode for you, you go directly to Megan Moyston Brown, who is the the head scriptwriter. She's kind of the continuity person. She's involved in, in the um, in the scriptwriters uh, for all of the show. You'll see her name in all the credits as story editor. Uh, so you go to her to write an episode, right? That's the two people you get on board. Definitely, yeah. like TJ Scott has done some absolutely fantastic work on Gotham. Mm-hmm. Uh, his shots are, are really second to none, and, and we see it again here in, in this episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, before we go ahead, John, do you want to tell them what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. Bruce is summoned by Selina through a letter, but she denies sending the letter and orders him to stay away from her. Bruce later realizes the letter was sent by 514A, the Brucel ganger, who drugs him and usurps his identity while the real Bruce is sent to a faraway mountainous dungeon. 
Gordon reconnects with his uncle Frank, who attempts to persuade him to become a member of the Court of Owls. Nigma, meanwhile, attempts to build a name for himself by sending the police on goose chases whilst also picking Lucius Fox as a potential arch-nemesis. After speaking to hallucinations of Cobblepot, Nigma decides to let him go and embraces his new persona as the Riddler. Meanwhile... Cobblepot wakes up in Ivy Pepper's apartment after surviving the gunshot wound. So much happened at the end of this episode. I'm really surprised uh, that, that we've that we got through a great episode. Don't get me wrong, but there was like three huge reveals at the end. Oh, massive! Yeah, Oswald's still alive. Bruce has been kidnapped, and the Bristol Ganger has taken his place. They're huge. Yeah, huge, <laughs> huge threads here uh, for this second half of season three. Definitely, absolutely. And um, where the heroes have to be temporarily squashed before they can rise. <laughs> there you go. Somewhat like a souffle, shall I, we say? I don't know whether the subtitle of Gotham could have been "Heroes Squashed," though. I don't know whether it would have worked as well. <laughs> and then rise and then rise yes yeah. uh, this is the souffle part of uh <laughs> gotham season three that's it 240 degrees for 20 minutes and the heroes will rise keep yes. that air in it absolutely <laughs> love it i think we should get onto our case notes there yes so, i think so what's case note one? Oh, it said Nigma's mentor or Nigmentor, as we're going to say. Um, yeah, he's going on a bit of a killing spree. He yes. is really looking for the greatest minds uh, of Gotham. He mm-hmm. goes to a philosopher, an artist, a scientist, and all of them really are struggling with his riddles um, that he likes to throw at them. Um, and of course, by failing his quiz... Um, the prize is not like uh, Bullseye, which is uh, a former TV game show <laughs> on, on UK TV where it revolved around a dartboard and people who lived in landlocked parts of the UK were given yachts and canal barges uh, and so on. And uh, yeah, they didn't like caravanning but got a caravan. Yeah. Um, no, in this instance, the prize is death by being blown up or some other pretty uh, horrendous way of of being killed. And all because you failed the Nigma test. Yes, I really like this. I really like this idea. I think it was in feedback last week um, where Claire Payne was asking about the finale uh, and wondering about why. what did it mean when Oswald said to Edward that without Penguin, there is no Riddler, um, that she didn't feel that way. And we were saying we didn't really feel that way. He did guide him on the way. But uh, but what's really interesting in, in this is that they've taken that concept and made it really irritate Enigma. This is a total irritant to him. Yeah. He's kind of now questioning, am I nothing without Oswald? So I must have to find myself a mentor then so I can go to the next level, which I think is great. Yeah. Even Even if... It's not true at all. Even if there would have been a Riddler without Oswald, I love that the idea that's come out of it is Ed can't deal with this at all. Definitely. But Ed does come across one person who he feels would be able to pass his tests. One of his greatest enemies, one of his greatest thorns in his side, Uh and that is Lucius Fox. And he goes on a particular um, quest a chess quest, in fact, yeah. to to go and show and prove that Lucius is his nemesis, who is his great rival, his greatest enemy, that they will battle for infinity uh, to 
some end. Yes, yes. No, I did like this. I thought it was yeah, a cool absolutely. idea. Um, it kind of goes right back to their first meeting. I think in last season, um, there was definitely a moment where... There's always been that simmering rivalry between yeah. the two... Um, Chief scientists of the GCPD, yeah. yeah. But it was it was always that great moment when um, when Ed said a riddle out loud, as he often did in the GCPD, and was just ignored by the other members. And Lucius instantly, uh, instantly solved the riddle the first time, and got a look from Ed of, "Hang on a second, how's that guy got it as quickly as he has?" Yeah, it was kind of Ed. What does that mean? Um, do you remember? Do you remember that? Yeah, moment? yeah. Um, so it's great that they have that. There was a little drop there. I did mention it earlier on in the podcast. There was that little drop line there from Ed saying, "I need a great enemy to make me a great villain," and he instantly goes, "Jim Gordon is that great enemy." Um, yeah, so yeah. I like that little touch as well. And of course, it's maybe a love hate relationship because Enigma is sending him sort of effectively riddler kissograms yes, to him um, which are fantastically Batman 66 uh-huh. um, giving the next clues like it is that and it is the distinction of the riddler that he is laying a trail to be discovered all the time through the riddler um, and the riddles that he uses yeah. um, and in this case yeah, it goes from the chess match where I have great Harvey moment of everyone get out of the room. And then as people start getting electrocuted, it's no, no, stay in yeah. the room, stay where you are, <laughs> forget, stay exactly where. <laughs> forget that last order. And we move to the GCPD graduation where Harvey is hanging literally by a thread. Three threads, yes. Three threads <laughs> and three become one. Yes, yes. And um, as Actually, Lucius fails some of the tests, or does he get them right? And it's just to the irritancy mm. again of Enigma, who is trying to prove his potential. I love um, the frustration yeah. from uh, from Corey Michael Smith's version of the Ridley here. I love the frustration as Lucius, his ultimate enemy, can't get the first one right. It's like, wait, how could you even get that answer? And then the second one he gets wrong, and then Lucius tries to justify it. And because Ed's crazy, it's no, no, I don't think you understand. It has to be the answer that I have. That's yeah, what makes yeah, yeah. your your answer right. Uh, I love that interplay between the two yeah. of them. Lucius Fox is great to see him get such a great role in this episode and him paired up with Harvey, who, as we've talked about in multiple episodes, seems to hate Lucius because he's intelligent. So yeah. having him paired up with a character who hates him because of his intelligence, needing to use his intelligence. There's some great buddy cop moments between the two of them that we haven't seen for quite a while. Jim and Harvey have found a way of working where they're not critical of each other as much as supportive best friends now. Uh, so to bring in someone like Lucius, I think, is, is great to, a great moment for Gotham. I think it's really cool. Definitely. And I think that moves us on to our second case note, which is the reveal of the Riddler as Ed finally comes to... Um, rest on a name, the Riddler, which he reveals to Lucius mm. uh, that he is the Riddler before knocking him unconscious. So I wonder where Lucius is going to end up. Um, I'm sure it will be in some kind of uh, maze or, or, or test that he will have to perform in order to escape. But the interesting thing about this reveal is that now the Riddler ultimately has to remain underground. He has to keep out of sight. Yeah. Um, you know, 
up until this half of the season, he has been the right-hand man of Cobblepot. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been under the radar as that kind of psychotic aspect after his release from Arkham Asylum. But now, um, by choosing to become the Riddler and in the way that he's become the Riddler, he ultimately needs to keep out of the uh, police headlights and CCTV. Am I right in saying that one of the news stories even mentioned that the chief suspect in the murder of Oswald Cobblepot or the disappearance of Oswald Cobblepot is Ed Nigman being his former right-hand man, that he was the person sought for this. So he's completely out there now. He can't make an appearance on TV unless it's uh, with a bomb saying he's going to blow somewhere up. You know, yeah, he, can't, yeah. he can't do that anymore. A uh, couple of great things in here. Yeah, just I love the new suit. Can we talk about that? We've gotten, we've got a new full Riddler suit. We have the full costume with the hat and all. The bowler hat, absolutely, yeah. really iconic. Um, you know, and he, certainly him wearing that at the docks. I love the, the, the final interplay between his hallucination of Penguin and himself, um, where it's like, uh, the, the Penguin just says, I'm not a big fan of the docs, you know, and as he chucks away his pills and uh-huh. and finally takes on and accepts his his destiny as the Riddler. Yeah. Uh, really, really good. Absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah, really cool. We finally have the Riddler now. So we have a we have one of the big villains of Gotham now accepting their name. We had Penguin struggling with his for a season or two, people being criticizing other people for calling him Penguin and now accepting that he is the Penguin. And now we have Riddler, so two big villains accepting their monikers from the comic books. Absolutely. Um, But we also have, moving to our third case point, um, we have the Switch. We have the Bruselganger and the Switch, uh, his true purpose mm-hmm. to impersonate the real Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we have intrigue here, I think. Mm-hmm. We, we have a real interesting story arc that's going to unfold as to his true purpose. You know, he, yes, he's going to s- step in and replace the original Bruce Wayne, but to what degree? To what extent? So, you know, is it just to run uh, Wayne Enterprises and the way the Court of Owls want want mm-hmm. him to? Is it for for some other purpose? And I mean, the interesting thing here is, you know, you you are kind of there um, as he walks back into the kitchen of Wayne Manor and, and he's speaking with Alfred, and you are thinking. When is Alfred going to realize it's not Bruce? There is going to be that like um, classic moment where something drops yeah. with Alfred where it's like Bruce wouldn't say that or just an accumulation of things that says, you know, are you all right? I mean, I was even just thinking, okay, he he gets away with it, but just the fact that he seems to want to have the shepherd's pie yeah. and whether... There's an immediate kind of, oh, okay, as though Bruce probably wouldn't have eaten shepherd's pie, or yeah. it was his least favourite. Or... they had that discussion earlier yeah. on the episode, didn't they? Yeah. So, you know, when is there going to come that point where the accumulation of events or a single uh, event really hits Alfred 
to and you get the realization from him that this is not Bruce. But I like the way how this unfolds um with uh, the Bruce Ganger knocking out uh Bruce Wayne and effectively drawing him into this trap by using Selena effectively mm-hmm. as bait. Uh, I really enjoyed that um and and I like their immediate kind of um face to face uh with one another as the realization from Bruce that his doppelganger is wearing exactly the same clothes and has exactly the same haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I like the distinction in the voice that um, David Mazouz does with, with the two characters. There is a real sense of difference here. Mm. Um, so it's really, really good, I think. And can we just talk about TJ Scott's placement uh, for that scene with the mirror in the, in the alleyway? Yeah. Uh, the cuts of the mirror just showing the two different sides of Bruce Again, similar to, to the to the moments with Jerome and, and Bruce in the last episode, but I love that it's the smashed glass on the yeah. mirror that's uh, reflecting the two characters while they're having this conversation. Really cool little technique, and it, it works really well. Um, again, just to quickly go to your Alfred point, I think that's not going to take long for Alfred to realize that this isn't the real Bruce. He's the person that knows him best. He's the only person that's been around every day of his 15-year-old life is Alfred. Um, if, mm-hmm. that, if he can't tell that 514A isn't Bruce, the Bruce Ganger isn't the real Bruce. Nobody can. So um, so I think we'll get a, a moment of realization pretty quick, a couple of episodes, no more, um, to to break down that barrier between the two of them. I think it's not gonna not gonna be long. I absolutely I'm sure it's gonna race through, but I do think maybe two or three episodes mm-hmm. where it it doesn't. I mean you know, he's been trained up by the Court of Owls to really impersonate Bruce. Um it would seem slightly crazy if then the writers of this show make it drop so soon but i appreciate there's only so many episodes left in the season Mm -hmm. but nonetheless i think the the effort of the court of owls needs to be justified within within the the remaining episodes and i I think you know again not only has he been trained to impersonate bruce um it should also have come with that you have to just also within get used to the surroundings so that, you know, when Alfred effectively says, right, to training, you kind of go with it and you don't presume anything as this impersonator. But it'd be interesting to see how they play that out. Agree, but I do like the fact that the Court of Owls chose the speech of Bruce losing his parents to prove that he could sell that effectively. If you've ever asked, what's the worst moment in your life? And you tell people it was the moment that my parents were shot dead in an alleyway and you give them all of these details, then you've sold the fact that you're Bruce Wayne, which is a lovely touch. Definitely. Love Catherine's moment there with, with them. Really cool. But talk, talk about the Court of Owls. Absolutely. I think on to point four, really, um, because in some ways these are inter- intertwined, I would think. Mm. You know, what is the purpose of the Bruce Ganga, um in taking the place of Bruce Wayne in Wayne Manor, in Wayne Enterprises, mm. in Gotham. And um, what's the purpose for the Court of Owls? But similarly, it seems to be intertwined with this invite then to the Court of Owls for Jim Gordon from his um, sort of estranged, long-lost uh, Uncle Frank. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but we have a slight twist on this. You know, 
is Uncle Frank playing the Court of Owls off? Is his story to Jim about his father's murder by the court and him staying in the court to undermine them from within? Is that true or is it a play? Because at the moment, it could be either. From his discussions with Catherine, it is that... It will take time for Jim to come on board, mm -hmm. but he's not saying how he's doing it. Does yeah. she know that he's um, talking to him in this way, or is that just part of his way to get him into the court of owls? You use his bra bravado against him, yeah. It, it really is the the textbook definition of the unreliable nar narrator, the person Absolutely. that tells you the story that you can't possibly know whether it's true or not, and you don't trust them. So I do like that Jim is really distrustful of his uncle throughout these scenes uh, when asking information from him. I love the the moment when, the, when they're hunting the, under the deer and Jim's got the gun and he shoots the gun away from the deer and then says, did you think this was going to be a bonding session? I still don't trust you here. I haven't talked to you in years. We knew there was a falling out between Jim and uh, Jim's father and Uncle Frank. Um, but I love these little moments here where Jim's kind of going, don't try and cush you up to me here. We're, we're not friends. We haven't seen you in I, years. I, and you left my family alone when my father died. I get that. But Jim is hard work in this. I mean, like, you know, give a dog a bone, like throw a bit of slack to your Uncle Frank. Um, I suppose it's just he's an investigating officer in the GCPD. Absolutely. He's naturally suspicious of anything. And I suppose given what's happened to him, uh, you would be as well. But I do think that he is, I think he's biting though. I, 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 I think so. And There's I, a great way, as I say, use the bravado of Jim Gordon. If yeah. you want to take down the court of owls, here's your best possible opportunity to take them down. Come in the back door with me. They want to offer you. I'm giving you the heads up. And I'm telling you, you've got a friend on the inside that can help you take them down. It's a great way to Yeah, go. and I mean, if he does take it up, you know, what is going to be the conversations between him and the Court of Owls or, or with Catherine? Mm. You know, is the Brussel ganger put in there for him to be taken down by Jim by saying 514A has infiltrated Bruce Wayne off his own volition, that kind of thing, to build his trust. It is the Bruce Ganger a um sort of a deliberate ploy by the court and and effectively a, a red herring. Because I mean if the Court of Owls is as um shadowy and uh, you know potentially Machiavellian as it sounds, it would be hard for Jim to stay in that. So like how do they see this playing out? Mm. It'll be really interesting to see, I think. It does feel like it's a hierarchical structure within the Court of Owls as well. So it's absolutely possible that Catherine's doing the uh, the play with the Brusselganger on one side in case Frank's plan fails. Um, I, I, you don't know whether Frank knows anything about the Brusselganger yet. No, he does. He does. he does know he's there. Yeah, but he doesn't know that he's he, going well, in for placement. No, he was he, there, wasn't he? he? No, he, he yeah. says... Um, I presume everything went smoothly on your side, Catherine. That's so that's unless true. that's some reference to something completely else. No, it's it, probably yeah. to do with that. Yeah, yeah, missed that. Missed that so I, I do think, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these intertwine and really interesting to see whether Jim accepts that invitation. Mm. What does he do an RSVP to <laughs> Catherine? Yes, I, I like will. This. Join the course of ours. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that one next week. Definitely could be very, very cool. Um, final big point for the episode. Oswald is... Ed's throughout the episode. We haven't really talked about it, but I absolutely love another persona of Ed 
is now Oswald. He's now infiltrated inside the crazy mind of Ed and is appearing to him and talking to him uh, when he takes those tablets. So I thought that was really cool. I think my favorite line of the episode probably has to go to Oswald saying to him, only you and your deranged mind would be worried about the furniture of your dripping hallucination after taking <laughs> yeah. kills. Great line from uh, from Robert R. Taylor there uh, at a great moment. But yes, he's back. He's very quickly back. Uh, with no hold off on this. There was no doubt that Robert R. Taylor was going to be uh, disappearing from the show. Yeah, um, but nursed by Ivy Pepper. Mm. Will Ivy become Oswald's new project? Oh, interesting. Will he unleash... Poison Ivy. She's been learning from everybody around her from when she mm. transformed into the older version of Ivy. She's been taking on board a lot of a lot of influences. I really hope that this is her way into becoming Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do. Um, I but I I think that would be really good to to see. Uh, but I do love um, Oswald saying, "I just remembered there's someone I need to kill." Oh yes. Mm. Better watch out, Riddler. Absolutely. Absolutely. You may have gotten your name, but you may not be lasting very long in Gotham. Absolutely. (laughs) If we know anything about the Penguin from being a wronged man, (laughs) uh, there is is a a definite payback in there for almost everybody, except for um, for, um, Butch Gilzean, really, and uh, Jessica Lucas. uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. uh, Tigress, sorry. uh, She's the only person that hasn't really gotten payback from from Oswald since uh, since the beginning of the show. So we will see. We'll see what happens to Ed. Uh, that's overall the five points. A couple of quick notes. Yeah. I think absolutely brilliant one because we've been picking out Batman 66 moments since the season first began, I think. This is awesome. Uh, since the show first began. The ringtone on, uh, on Ed Nigma's phone is the transition music from Batman 66. Every time we saw the spinning logo yep. of, of the bat, uh, we had this music, and I love that they used it for, for the this ringtone. This is Ed. really cool. I, I think it's a great little Easter egg and reference for, for Batman 66. Absolutely, absolutely. One of our one of our favourite shows when we were kids, so great to see it being brought back here. Uh, the other big one that we didn't really kind of talk about, I suppose, just to bring it up in notes here, where the heck is Bruce? Um, I presume he's not away in his uh, in his Swedish cabin because that's a dungeon. Swiss cabin. Swiss cabin. Yeah, yeah. Yes, of course, because it is in the mountains and the Alps. But where do you think he is? Where 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 would he, he could possibly be? He be? could be in the Rockies. He could be in the Alps. He could be in the Andes. He could be in the Atlas Mountains. Never ask a geographer he what could be mountain in the Himalayas. he could be in, because there's quite a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, but a <laughs> full-on snowy, uh, snowy locale. We've seen one in the films uh, in Batman Begins with Christian Bale. We've seen one very snowy mountain. Yeah, uh, but he's got a great mountain view from behind those bars. <laughs> um, I suspect the room service isn't quite what um, he's going to expect. Probably not, no. No, but at least he won't get any uh, any cottage pie from from them. No, most likely. But um, he will be praying for cottage pie after all of that water and bread. No mm-hmm. doubt, it looked pretty sparse, pretty desolate, and I suspect pretty chilly, considering it was open bars uh, <laughs> high up in uh, a mountain range. Very true, very true. And he was just wearing sackcloth kind of uh, garments as well. Wasn't, yeah, wasn't wearing looking pretty drowsy. Hi, um, good on Catherine actually for her timing. I think he will be waking up right about now. 
as he wakes up right about now. <laughs> well, I presume Fa- she... Fabulous timing, Catherine. I, I see... presume he was drugged, so they know exactly how She long. is precise. She is. Very precise. I like it. I like it. But yeah, really interesting storyline. Going to see that, see what's happening with that, obviously, in the next couple of episodes. Poor little Brucey, taken away from everything around him. So mm. uh, you never know where he is. Let's see what, what the outposts of the Court of Elves look like in another country. Definitely. Um, the Bullockisms of the Week. Hashtag Bullockism Hashtag of the Week. Bullockism of the Week. Yeah, we did mention, in case you missed any of our episodes, we did mention that we have our competition for our Bullockism of the Week to give away our Harvey Bullock pop vinyl to one of our wonderful listeners. All you need to do is just email us with your favourite Bullockism of the Week. Email us to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Doesn't matter whether we've mentioned it or not, just pop us in an email and uh, and tell us and we'll put you in the hat for the winning of that uh, vinyl pop plus the base cards of the first season of uh, Gotham trading cards as well which is given to us by Claire Payne which is really nice of her again yeah absolutely um, thank you Claire and we are extending it to the end of the season because Gotham isn't on in any other country other than Ireland at the moment so uh, <laughs> yeah so hopefully we'll get a few more entries into the competition by the end of the season so that's all you have to do just send us an email yeah so, what's our bullockism of the week there's a few to choose from there's Jack. a couple absolutely mm. um certainly the first one to Lucius um Harvey goes, I do not have the resources to allocate to, to your hunch. Did you hear how I use the words allocate? Uh. <laughs> I love it. It's because, you know, again, there's a, the interplay between these characters is Lucius is smart. Har- Harvey is really annoyed by how smart Lucius yeah. is. So he's trying to impress him a little bit. But yeah, really nice moment. Um, I love Lucius's moment with uh, Thrillo is the Greek word for beast. The riddle stated that they would find the clue in the belly of the beast. And Harvey goes, sometimes I think you make this stuff up. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no way you can know multiple languages as well. Definitely. And of course, just as Harvey thinks Lucius has got the riddle, the third riddle wrong, he goes, why does it have to be three answers? Why can't he get four? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> really good uh, episode, actually, for Harvey Bullock and that interplay with Lucius and particularly him uh, yeah, hanging by those ropes over the, the stirwell and the drop. I just have to say, I thought um, Donal Logue, really, his facial expressions, it looked like just perfect to me. The the facial expressions of sheer terror as, as the ropes go, definitely. But for some reason, it's still making me smile. Uh, I knew he was going to be safe. I knew nothing bad was going to be ha- going to happen to him. But I love the performance of Donal Logue in this episode. Can I say this is my favorite uh, Harvey Bullock episode so far? Changing up the dynamic by putting in uh, Lucius Fox with Harvey Bullock is probably makes it my favourite yeah. uh, Harvey Bullock episode, I think. John, what do you think of the episode overall? I would give this four Riddler bowler hats out of five. I think this is really um, strong opener to this second season, especially given how um, episode 14 with Jerome uh, was, um, you know, it can be pretty difficult bringing, um, sort of carrying that momentum through. And I, I think they did a good job here with everything going on from the Riddler, the Brucel Ganger, the Court of Owls, Jim and, um, his, his uncle Frank. I just love all this interplay. It really does open up, um, a, a lot of options and a, a lot of, uh, really exciting and, uh, anticipation uh for what's to come i think in this second half and particularly having bruce um you know plonked into a dungeon and and effectively the um the cuckoo you know laying the egg uh, in, in the nest of, of another bird the 
doppelganger, the Bruselganger in Wayne Manor. Um, it, it is really good. I mean, it's some real classic, it's potential for some classic storytelling here. Um, and I, I really can't wait to see how, uh, these two stories of, um, the, purpose of the Brutal Ganga and Jim being invited into the Court of Owls, I feel there has to be overlap with these yeah. and I really can't wait to see how that, that pans out. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, really, really good episode. I'd love to ask a question though. If I had the opportunity to ask anybody on the show, I'd love to ask a question. That scene with Jim and, and Uncle Frank in the cabin in the woods, was that the same cabin, do you think, where Moroni and Oswald had their meet-up in season one? It looked very similar. Remember they went on the yeah. road trip, wasn't it? Um, it looked really similar. I don't know whether they just used the same set or whether it is an actual location that they film in or whether it just looks similar to me. Maybe I need to go back and, and compare the two episodes. Yeah. Uh, but it looked like it possibly was Moroni's cabin, which could be interesting if the Court of Hells have the Admironi's possessions now that he's passed on. Absolutely. And I think the other great part of this is the reveal of the Riddler by Ed Nigma himself. And I just think how that's going to change the dynamic, obviously between um, Cobblepot and the Riddler, but also just that he's always been public as Ed Nigma and mm-hmm. he's kept his, his dirty work in private and under wraps, and now he's he's reversed that. He will have to stay um, hidden, but his work will be public Absolutely. and completely exposed. And so this uh, is a real new dynamic to Enigma or yeah. the Riddler. Uh, the Riddler's character now. Yeah, absolutely. I think really cool they're going down down that path. But to be clear, in in obviously in the comic books, all of these characters do exist. All of these villains have existed for decades. They're all open. Everybody knows their their real names and their monikers. You know, they do exist in the open. It's just that the GCPD and the and the officials of the city are so corrupt that they won't go after them. It takes a Batman to bring them down. Is kind of the the concept. So absolutely, I love that yeah. we've got this path now where. Everybody knew Oswald was the penguin. They were let, he was let off. Obviously, uh, murder. He was sent to Arkham and given his pass out of there. That happened to Ed as well. But now we've got Ed is the Riddler. He's announced it to the city in a big way, more than any other villain, I think, to this, at this stage. Uh, he is now out in the open. Yeah. Cool. I mean, Cobblepot is still missing. He's still the murder that is missing. Mm-hmm. Um, when he decides to come back, he can still, operate in uh, full view of everyone. Yeah. And yeah. he is still the elected mayor of Gotham. That's true. That's true. Very cool. Unless he does something really nuts and really crazy Go um, on Twitter. On his return. Yeah. And maybe he's still having to recover from that shot to the stomach. That's true. That's true. Hopefully he doesn't send any late night tweets. Yeah, I think on to feedback. Um, remember, you can send in feedback to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com or come on over to our Facebook group. Just go on to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash gothamtvpodcast. Uh, come on over, join the podcast and, and come into the Gotham community over on our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Uh, discuss, comment, share, um, and of course, uh, have a great old time talking oh, Gotham and the podcast our first bit of feedback this week comes in from Annalise Reichner yes yeah 
Congratulations, detectives. I have actually been meaning to write a feedback a few episodes back, but it always slipped my mind. I binged the podcast while flying back from London to keep me up during the nine-hour flight while I tried to beat jet lag. Now I'm finally at least attempting to do it. If it doesn't make it into the episode, I won't be offended in the slightest. <laughs> well, it's good news, Annalise, um, all right. round. We hopefully made your... Uh, flight back from London's Hero and Villain Fan Fest um, uh, so much easier by listening to our dulcet tones. I'm sure we probably sent you off to sleep at some point well, with our she, soothing voices. She was using it to keep her awake, so she stayed awake for the nine-hour flight. Yeah. That's pretty good. Thanks, and, of Annalise. course, you have made it onto the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, good news. Good news <laughs> all around. Congratulations, Annalise goes on to say, you made it to my favourite episode of the whole season. I will state that my opinions may be a bit biased as Riddler is my favourite villain both in Gotham and the comics. First off, it was a very long wait between the madness of episode 14 until mm-hmm. we got to see this episode here in the USA. I love that this was an Ed-centric episode. We rarely have gotten many of these in the three seasons of Gotham, but when we do, they end up being big. I could tell that Corey took a bit of inspiration from his favorite Riddler comic, The Riddle Factory, in this episode. Though his Riddle game he played with the elite minds of Gotham did not lead them to commit suicide, as in the comics, they still did die, and Ed was starting to display his showman side. While I liked that Oswald came back as Ed's psyche, I found it a bit strange that he decided to use drugs to communicate with Oswald. Mm. Before, his psyche wouldn't just pop up when he needed a little push. Sassy Oswald was nice to see again, but I longed to see Ed arguing with himself as he did back in Season 2. That's a really good point, actually, Annalise. I think um, those arguments between himself um, in Season 2, I think also towards the end of Season 1, in the mirror... That, yeah. that dual personality coming out, the the kind of the jumping around of Ed, the 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 sound uh, engineering coming with that, and and the the shots was was such a great way of imagining uh, that that dual personality of Ed Nigma and the Riddler. Really good. Annalise um, said, "I honestly did remember much." Um, about Jim's holiday with his uncle in the woods until rewatching the episode. And even so, it wasn't all that exciting when compared to Ed and Foxy trying to match wits with each other. I actually felt for Ed in the scene at the end of Fox's car. Interesting. Corey shows his acting chops again in this episode. That green suit tied everything together. And I plan on adding it to my growing cosplays from this show. And this was another great episode directed by tj scott he also directed another favorite episode of mine back from season one next week you are in for seeing ben mckenzie's directorial debut looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the episode thank you annalise for that absolutely i think that green suit um was absolutely classic riddler i love the bowler hat I can't wait to see that cosplay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just uh, any of our listeners, check out Annalise's cosplay from uh, her Gotham cosplay, particularly, is fantastic. Some great stuff from uh, Court of Elves. Uh, yeah. Just Catherine, a, a great take on it. So thanks so much for sending in the feedback to us, Annalise. Uh, if you have some time over the next six or seven weeks, pop us in some more. Always good to hear from you. I have another piece of feedback in from Claire Payne for this week's episode. Uh, she says, Edward Nigma knows who he is, but doesn't know how to be him. Hallucinogenic Penguin makes it a point to Ed 
must be the first person in history to go on a killing spree to find a life coach. <laughs> uh, Ed wants someone to solve his ri riddles, while imagined Penguin informs Ed villains don't have teachers, which Ed comes to the conclusion he needs an enemy, Jim Gordon. I really like how Ed took the hallucinogenic drugs to bring Penguin back to life to help Ed find the answers needed. With another visit to the docks near the end of the episode was a bittersweet final goodbye to his best friend. Uh, yeah, really cool. I, I love that little arc of the character. Definitely. Yeah, and definitely that line about, uh, about going on a killing spree to find a life coast was another great moment um claire goes on to say foxy and bullock work incredibly well together in this episode the poetic fruit telegram was really funny considering it was going to lead them to where the mystery serial killer is going to strike next the clues and riddles that are set in the episode are in abundance i feared for harvey probably selfishly as harvey is one character i do want do not want to see being killed off in gotham lucius is really excellent in this episode yeah. so pleased to carry the link between him and ed from season two the scene in lucius's car was brilliant when ed openly discusses his reasons why for his actions Nigma now knows who he is who is the Riddler absolutely and I think uh, that that car scene was excellent I think pulling in Annalise's comments about feeling for Ed at that moment mm. it is that kind of idea of him giving that sense of relief as to he knows what he wants to be and who he is and how he's going to do it and I think it's kind of that that sense of finding um himself in that in that way yeah. um was was really good and um, there was also a slight manicness to the way Corey uh michael smith kind of played this as you know almost slightly hysterical which i kind of enjoyed as well and um, just because it's been such a long journey for for ed nigma to become the riddler mm -hmm. absolutely uh claire goes on to say there are also some good scenes surrounding the central story with jim and his uncle frank jim not completely convinced by his uncle's intentions i like the way frank is playing a double agent is he actually against the court and wants jim to join him so he can take them down or is he telling catherine the truth and willing to hand over jim yeah i think we mentioned that earlier on in the podcast yeah there's really no way to know until yeah. we see the episodes it's a lovely play though i really like these the concept of nobody really knows the truth until until we see it happen um claire says i was suspicious when alfred showed bruce the note from selena to meet her but it was eerie doppelganger bruce behind it when with bruce being sedated and sent away somewhere with snow-capped mountains i wonder how long it will take alfred to notice bruce has been swapped so excited to see the future storyline for ivy and oswald mm. i think it's going to be a really different interesting dynamic to see who who learns from who Absolutely, it's... that would be awesome as well. Yeah, a bit of uh, a bit of uh, two-way learning. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, and finally, another great episode from the director T.J. Scott. Corey Michael Smith really did prove in this episode that the birth of the Riddler has been worth waiting for. Oh, what a nice way to end our episode discussion. Thanks so much, Claire. Um, yeah, totally Thank agree. Thank you, absolutely. Corey Michael Smith has been nominated for the Teen Choice Award for Best Villain um, for his role in Gotham. I think by the time the episode comes out, I think the voting will be closed for that. But this episode absolutely proved why he's a great villain. He kills uh, six people in the episode uh, plus threatens all of the GCPD graduates yeah. and has Har Harvey tied up in a chair with three strings telling riddles that effectively mean that Lucius is going to be the one that is causing the death of Harvey. Great moments. Finally, the real Riddler realized on the screen in Gotham. And then great stuff from Corey. I'd love to see him move to the movie version of Gotham whenever that comes. 
Completely. He's a great actor and has really done a great job of realising this character with the writers, the directors over the seasons. And of course, it's really now, it's that next chapter. And I can't wait to see how that, that works. Definitely, definitely. Well, we'll be back with that episode next week. That's episode 15 of Gotham Heroes Rise. Uh, these delicate and dark obsessions. Mmm, dark. Yeah, really Smoky. <laughs> Shadowy. But of course, if you want to hear that and all of our podcasts, just go over to, to Apple Podcasts through our link on our website at gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes, or you can go through any good or evil podcast catcher and search for Gotham TV Podcast. Yes, uh, and of course, you can watch all our episodes uh, of the podcast on YouTube every Wednesday as well. Um, just head over to YouTube and search for Gotham TV Podcast. Absolutely. You can watch them other days as well. We just released them on Wednesdays. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Our back catalogue, if you will. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us again, Gotham. It's great to, great to be here again for another great episode. Yeah, as always, thank you so much for listening. And yes, we will be back with more tales of the unexpected. <laughs> um, speak with you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby.